You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Hello and welcome to 2023, just in case you missed last week's show, which was a little bit of a low-key affair. This time I'm joined by Ben Stegner. I'm Christian Corley, just in case you were wondering. And we are here, as you can tell by the title of this podcast, to um, learn a bit more how to uh, buy an iPhone and switch from Android, if that's something that you're wanting to do at the moment. But before we do that, we have some news to discuss. But before we do that, Ben, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm honored to be the uh, first one joining you for 2023. Feels like a good precedent to uh, set the year off right. Well, definitely. Good, uh, good New Year's celebration and everything. Uh, well, it was low key. It was um, I was playing dominoes with my uh, oh okay in-laws or outlaws as I call them. That's a UK joke. Yeah, we just played dominoes, and uh, I I think I won in the end. My team won. I don't. I don't think I've ever actually played dominoes. Like, come to think of it, I've like set them up and knocked them over, but I've never actually like played ah. the game of dominoes. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's an, that's a whole other podcast. Is the uh, the game of dominoes? My my grandfather was a keen dominoes player, and hopefully, I feel like I've picked some of it up from him uh, purely genetically because he never we never played dominoes together, other than the sort of matching the numbers. There's there's a, there's more strategic ways you can play than that. Anyway, we're getting way off okay. the point here. Gavin's not with us this week. Gavin has been away at CES, and I'm hoping to uh, that next week's podcast will be able to discuss that in some depth. Uh, but uh, as I say, Ben is here. We've got some iPhone stuff to discuss. But first of all, and uh, some of this, um, I mean, this Android Auto thing, uh, this comes from CES. Android Auto's major update is finally available to everyone. It says here. I may beg to differ. The major redesign of Android Auto, first announced last May, is finally available to everyone, it says here. It is basically about a redesign of the user interface to uh, Android Auto. Um, So it focuses on three aspects, navigation, communication, and media playback, all on the same display in a a split-screen layout. Um, Now, it says that it's available now. It's not really available now. because I've been trying to get it for days and I still don't have it. Uh, but it's probably the sort of thing that uh, in, uh, individual manufacturers are going to allow to roll out after they've tested it with their hardware. Then again, it's been in beta for so long. I'm amazed it isn't actually ready to roll out. I keep checking the update number and it's not changing and I'm a bit cross actually. Although I do That's wonder whether it is a shortcoming. Sorry, I've just finished this. I do wonder whether it might be shortcoming with the head unit as well. Do you have a third-party one, or is it built into your car? It's built into my car. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, it is. Uh, that's what I was going to say, is it's a pain for stuff like this where you can't, you can check for an update, I guess. It's just not something where, oh, you check and it's there, like an update on Windows or whatever. It's just whenever you get it, that's when you get it kind of thing. That, that is frustrating. Um, and the, and you see the feature dependent. as well. And the thing with Android Auto is you don't see the feature unless you're connecting to the car. Right, so you're, you won't know. It's not like you're just exactly. on Google Play and you can just check really quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, looking at the screenshot, though, I do like this revision. Um, yeah. As I've used, I used Android Auto in the past and I switched to an iPhone a few years ago, so I'm used, used to CarPlay now, which is very similar. But um, I think it makes, it puts a better focus on what 
you want from it because I think one of the best features of uh, Android Auto compared to CarPlay is that when you're when you have navigation up on the bottom bar on Android Auto, it keeps your music like a little tiny widget so you can see like how far through the song you are and yeah. pause it and skip it and stuff. That's much nicer than on CarPlay because there's no like inter app pass off or whatever you want to say. Like if you're in maps there's no looking at what you're playing on music unless you switch over to it so being able to see navigation and music at the same time is super nice looks like this yeah. car screen is quite a bit bigger than mine though so i wonder how it would work on a smaller display wow you i mean basing that alongside the steering wheel you must have a really small display on your car oh well I, i'm sorry the featured image of this article oh. is probably about the size of mine oh, okay um, oh you're looking the one further it, down Right. The one in the article with the Jason yeah, yeah, Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one's yeah. bigger than mine. So you can uh, check the more details about this out in the uh, show notes for this and indeed everything else that we discuss in this week and any other really useful podcast. We're going to move on to uh, Meta, in case you've forgotten. Uh, Meta is Facebook, or what we consider to be Facebook. They changed the name a couple of years ago. And they've been fined, maybe it was an attempt to escape things like this, they fined mm -hmm. almost 400 million euros, which is roughly... Um, four hundred million dollars. It's not, you know, we we're vaguely uh, uh, pretty close with the exchange rate there, so it's not far away. Um, over EU privacy breaches, um, that's pretty bad. Uh, so this has been uh, a part of a uh, big uh, sort of investigation and judgment by the Irish Data Protection Commission uh, for, and this is because Meta has um, breached European Union data privacy rules by forcing users to accept targeted ads which of course is not the sort of thing that you do i mean there's a there's a lot to this and it'd be very dull for me to go into this in detail uh, but you should probably know that uh, just to recap over the past two years the dpc that's the uh, irish data Pre uh, protection commission has filed five different cases against meta in november 2022 just a few months ago meta was fined 265 million euros that's $280 million for infringing two GDPR articles. Then, in September 2022, Meta appealed a 405 million euro fine charged by the DPC over Instagram processing children's data. And Meta has also been fined 225 million euros by the DPC in September 2021 for breaching data protection rules. I mean, it's, I don't like to be gleeful at someone's sort of downfall it's not it's not really a downfall uh for uh, zuckerberg but the whole kind of uh silly metaverse thing and then all this sort of you know infringing very clear you know in in you know these rules aren't particularly opaque or anything these rules have been in you know they've been created uh for customer privacy and facebook has a long history of breaching its customers, its users' privacy, and the fact that it's still doing it, and then you know we're talking. I mean, that's a billion euros in total over the course of a couple of years, at least. It's insane, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say you would think that they would learn. I guess it's yeah. just Facebook's nature to violate everything they can. But I mean, we we talked about GDPR and things like it over the past couple of years on the show, and I mean, I 
with how clear those are, like you don't think it would be that hard for them to say, okay, here's what our settings are right now. Here's what we need to change. I mean, look at how every, like every single website on the internet and every email service that you're subscribed to constantly tells you about cookies. Like I'm not yeah. even in the EU and I constantly get notifications about cookies every time I open a browser. It's like, clearly they can do that, but you think they'd be able to retool their security and privacy options to meet these uh, requirements as well for people in the area. I, you don't think it would be that hard. I mean, just give people an option. And even if you want to say, you know, here's all the good things that happen if you opt into data collection options, that kind of thing, but just give people the option. It really shouldn't be that hard. Indeed. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it, it's, I mean, is all this a sort of a, a slow motion car crash death knell for Meta and Facebook? I don't know. I, but I can't see it having, I can't see it doing a Microsoft or an IBM. I, I do wonder, I mean, I guess because Facebook is not just in meta, I, I hate using that name. It just seems so stupid, but like, because meta isn't just Facebook now, yeah. right? I mean, but Instagram has a lot of the same issues, but I feel like whereas Facebook is kind of, Facebook, the platform is kind of passe, like Instagram, WhatsApp, obviously, or on the, not on the rise per se, but just very, very popular and not seeming to be going anywhere. So yeah, I wonder if, if Facebook itself continues to have problems like this, will that hurt meta overall or will they be able to cruise through it because instagram and their other platforms are just totally fine or relatively fine compared to all this it is a question that only the future will tell now sticking with social networky stuff political ads are returning to your twitter feed whether you've uh, you may have noticed them already i don't know the announcement was made on the 3rd of january by a twitter support account who state we believe that calls-based advertising can facilitate public conversation around important topics. Today, we're relaxing our ads policy for calls-based ads in the US. We also plan to expand the political advertising we permit in the coming weeks. This policy aligns with TV and other media outlets, says Twitter. And it says that it will share more details in future. Uh, curiously, the old policy currently... Uh, at, or at the time of writing our, our article by Megan Ellis, um, Twitter, Twitter's business support page for political content policy said Twitter globally prohibits the promotion of political content. We have made this decision based on our belief that political message reach should be earned, not bought. I'm very much split on this. I don't really, I mean, if you... If you're going to make a decision like uh, stopping it, then you should probably stick to stopping it. But, but um, politics is one of the most divisive things in all social networks and media, and uh, probably more so or none more so than Twitter. Yeah, it's really, it's a tricky one. I kind of, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm kind of mixed on the one hand. I, yeah, I, it's, it's a tough one. I, I mean, I, I like the way they phrased it, like political reach should be earned, not bought. Like in, in theory, on a level playing field, I think that's fine. You know, if you're if, if you're a political cause or a politician that has a message that resonates with people and get a lot of followers and a lot of buzz, I mean, that's that, that's to me, I'd rather that than, well, you paid more money. So, you know, you have more ads, but I, but Twitter, it would be kind of the exception there, right? Because I mean, I don't know, I, I have had YouTube premium for a while, but I mean, the last election cycle around here, it was every other ad I had on YouTube was some political, you know, this person's evil or whatever. And it's all <laughs> over TV, of course. So I mean, it's clearly it's, it's 
it's almost everywhere else. So is yeah. should Twitter be an exception? I, I don't know. It's a tough I one. I don't know. But. I don't know. But do you know what? Just re- rewinding to your metric and Facebook and all that sort of thing. I, you know, a lot of people have stated, you know, all these mad claims, all these people leaving Twitter because of Elon Musk, all these people stating that uh, it's the end of Twitter because of Elon Musk. You know, number one, he still hasn't released that cologne, so you got to wait for that. Number two, <laughs> um, I see Facebook, if not closing, but then seriously becoming a sort of a flashy Reddit and more focused on just its groups and pages than the personal stuff. I see that happening before I see Twitter closing. I think Facebook is seriously, seriously, um, I mean, it's lost a lot of reputation. Few people using it. I mean, I a few years ago, I called my friends list down by about two-thirds. Hasn't changed the experience whatsoever. Most of what I do on Facebook is either uh, gr- um, groups, uh, retro gaming groups or uh, rock uh, groups, um, rock music, that is, not uh, uh, geology. And... Um, <laughs> And I, f- I feel like a lot of Facebook is basically, it's being propped up by websites, basically, that are looking for reach. And as people start not using Facebook as much, maybe switching to Instagram or, or using TikTok or some other service that which, which will come along in future, uh, I think it's, we're going to get to this stage where it's just c- communities that are using Facebook and not people. I can see that. I haven't really thought about it too deeply, but I think you make some good points. I mean, there's definitely the generational one where like when my generation was like in high school and Facebook was kind of the new thing and it was fun to connect with people like that's way passe now, you yeah. know? So it's not like people are wanting to join Facebook and it's kind of has a reputation for being, you know, where your grandparents post weird stuff and that, that kind of thing. So I mean, I do think, I do think there is value in the groups um, like having those closer knit groups for maybe your local area or an interest, like you said, but there are other good places for that too. And I imagine most people would be, if they're not already on Facebook, they'd probably be more open to joining Reddit and joining a subreddit than like signing up for a Facebook account and giving all that info over to them. But I wouldn't be surprised if Facebook was the first like big social media to get a big decline, like you said, other than MySpace, if you count that. Yeah, we probably should. Okay. Now, I've been using an Android phone since, good Lord, I have no idea when I first started using Android. I mean, it's probably about 2010, but I was um, swipping and swapping with uh, Windows uh, Phone 7 and Windows 10 Mobile um, in the interim until about 2016, I think. Uh, and, I, you know, obviously I've had thoughts about switching to a, a different operating system, mobile platform environment ecosystem notably the iPhone, but I never did. I know someone who did, and that's my wife. I also know someone else who did, and that's Ben. Now, I thought I was going to be the first person you said, and then you said your wife. I'm like, oh, that's that's not me. No, no, that wasn't <laughs> you, no. Um, definitely not. Um, now, the, the very reasons, aren't there, why someone might switch from an iPhone uh, to an iPhone from Android. I'm just thinking we've, we're going to have a sort of a, fr- a free-form sort of chat largely about how to buy an iPhone and switch from Android to the iOS environment. Um, it's something that I've, as I say, I have contemplated and 
maybe I'll mention it in more detail later. I once tried uh, ex- experienced transferring data from an Android device to iPhone, and it was absolutely horrific. So it's not something, if I was going to do it, I'd have to be really, really sold on the phone. Really, you remember when you tried that? Like I did it for Kerry um, a couple of years ago, I think. Okay, it, it wasn't nice anyway. Um, <laughs> I was thinking maybe it was like really long ago, and the experience was just like there was no app or method, and it was just basically you're on your own trying to transfer everything over. It wasn't that long ago. No, no, it was. Okay. Um, I'm certainly uh, within the last five years was the last time I attempted it. Um, so anyway. W- why did you, first of all, Ben Stegner, switch from Android to iPhone? Yeah, so I guess for me, um, it's kind of a unique, not, it's not unique, but it's not a reason that many people probably uh, have, is that, so at the site, I was deputy editor for both Android and iPhone, uh, the, both of those sections, and I'd used an, uh, an Android phone for a long time. That's what I was used to. Um, and when I became the editor there uh, in that position, I also got an iPhone from the site. It was just an iPhone 6S. So even at the time, it wasn't super new. So I had like basic knowledge of the platform just for writing a little bit about it and editing about it, but I didn't really know it, know it. Um, And I thought about switching before because it seemed like almost everyone that I knew that switched had a good experience, but I had Google Fi as my phone plan, which I think we talked about before. It, it, now it works with iPhone, but the experience is meant for Android with some some of the features it has. So that wasn't really an option for me. Um, and then I found out about Mint Mobile, which we've also talked about before a few years ago, which I ended up really liking. But on Mint Mobile, they support iPhone as well. It's not made for Android like Google Fi is. So I was switching to Mint and I thought, well, I can try an iPhone too, like try it full time because I needed a new phone because the one I was, the iPhone I had was about to run out of support. Um, so I said, okay, I'm going to get a new iPhone for my job reason you know and then i'm actually going to try to use it as my main device and not just a secondary one and tried it and ended up really liking it so i stuck with it that's uh that's basically the the impetus behind that so did you feel that did you feel any sort of loss or frustration leaving android behind like feeling there's, there's something that you really needed on ios or was it like was it a, was it a smooth transition for you yeah, so the like overall like long term, I would say the two big well in, well the the biggest initial thing was aside from just the general like getting used to the environment and shortcuts and stuff was um I'd bought a lot of apps on Android, so mostly from the yeah. uh, Google Opinion Rewards that we've talked about, where you can earn the credit and use it to buy apps or whatever. Um, so I had a lot of like just different games and premium apps and things like that that I had to either rebuy or go without on iPhone. Um, the biggest thing that I still miss is that on Android, I used an app called Pulse SMS for texting, and it had a really easy to use um, Windows app where you could also text from your computer. So for anybody that I still just text with SMS and don't use Telegram or whatever, excuse me, um, I, that made it really easy to just text from my PC. Um, on iPhone, there's not really a good option for texting or using iMessage from your Windows computer. Um, so if I want to text people, I usually just use voice on my phone. Uh, it'd be nice to be able to text from my computer, but unless I'm using my MacBook, which I pretty much only do when I'm traveling, there's not really an option for that. So that's the biggest thing that I still miss mm. on Android. Okay. Well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, there's a lot more apps on Android, of course, than there is on uh, iOS, but I guess they're probably more uh, focused and better curated on iOS, aren't they? I don't, I remember like even at the site a few years ago or many years ago now, um, people, someone wrote an article about why iPhone apps are just better than Android apps. Like not just 
in general, there's more of them or whatever. But just like if you look at the Instagram app for iPhone versus the Instagram app for Android or whatever, like the iPhone one's better. I remember at the time, I didn't really think that was that big of a draw. Um, it's kind of the thing where I'm so used to an iPhone now. And when I use Android, it's my old Pixel 4. So it's not a, a new phone. So it's kind of not fair to compare if it feels sluggish or the apps feel weird or that kind of thing. But um, one of the things for me, I think I mentioned this before when we talked about this topic briefly. So I I, ha- I liked the Nexus phones back in the day, which were Google's yeah. like the precursor to the Pixel. And the reason that I like them is because they were, you got almost flagship performance, but like at a mid-range price. But yeah. then when they switched to the Pixel phones, it turned into more of an iPhone thing where it was like the best of Google when you were paying a premium price. And it felt like every year the Pixel phones that I had or every one I had got worse. It would be stuff like, you know, I'd go to open the camera to take a picture or something quickly and it would take, it would lag for like five seconds and I'd miss the picture. Um, apps crashing, my phone shutting off for no reason, which I just didn't want to put up with on a premium phone. And it happened with more and more with each new Pixel I got. Yeah, that's a shame. I've I've had problems with uh, Android phones doing that. Um, I don't know. I never felt switching to iOS might be the answer, though. Um, and I, get, I, I know that wasn't the only reason that you did it. Um, so th- there are many reasons why people might switch to iPhone. We've got an article that uh, I'm just going to go through because I, I want to know what you think about some of these things. Sure. Coming from Android. So, uh, number one, an iPhone's likely to retain its market value or keep a higher market value than a Samsung. Uh, you have fewer security risks on iOS than with Android. Uh, number th- number three, extremely user-friendly interface. Um, I'm not entirely sold on that. Um, Apple carries a superior phone protection plan. Uh, there's a seamlessly integrated Apple ecosystem. Uh, which is certainly uh, better than in Google's attempts so far. It's easy to spot fake iPhones, apparently. Um, you have a functional camera and natural-looking photos. Well, you know, I'm using a, uh, I'm using an Android phone and an, an Oppo, and it it would easily stand up alongside an iPhone's uh, photos. So there's that uh prompt updates from apple and apple pay is simpler to use that's another reason apparently and third-party apps are better optimized for iphones uh i'm not so sure about that either i mean and not so much response to all those but do do those things do they reflect your experience of switching to iphone from android uh yeah some of them i mean yeah not to go through every one like you said i think some of them are, are fair um i mean like the security risks one for example i there's not the average person on Android isn't going to run into anything realistically. If you're not rooting your phone and installing pirated apps and things like that, I mean, the, the chance of you getting having an issue on either device is almost zero if you're safe, you know, as we talked about before. So, I, yeah, I, that, like a couple of them are subjective, like the interface. I mean, if you've never used a smartphone before, I think you probably just get used to whatever one that you used first between android and iphone um but some of them definitely are true i mean the, the the updates on the day of are very nice and that's one of the reasons i bought nexus phones and pixels because they got updates quickly um yeah I mean, i think overall some some of them are fair some of them are maybe a little oversimplified but this so wouldn't what, be my list but it, it's it's a decent yeah. list yeah do do you recall buying your first iphone and was it much oh, i know you do because you already mentioned it, but was it much of a financial outlay for you yeah, I, 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 I bought my, it was an iPhone 11. It was, I, it was like partway through the year and the, um, I never 
there's a guide on um, like uh, Mac Rumors. I want to say is a site that has a guide on like when to buy all their all Apple products. It'll it'll it keeps an average of like the last time that whatever came out and how long it's been, and it tells you if it's a good buy or not. Right. Because you don't want to buy an iPhone in like August because the event is around the corner and they're going to unveil new phones that. If you, you pay the same price and get a brand new phone, or you can wait and pay a little bit less for the older model. Um, so I got mine in April of that year, and it, so I didn't. It wasn't a great time, but um, I wanted to do it when I was switching to Mint. Um, yeah, I bought it from Apple. Um, the iPhone 11 was a little bit cheap, but it was probably on par with what the Pixel phones cost at the time. I want to say I have to check what the Pixel 4 was, but it was in the ballpark. Okay, so you got a good price for it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't uh, like a massive deal or anything, but I I I didn't trade my Pixel Four in because I okay, I was going to ask if you traded that, in. but I did trade in the iPhone Six S that I had that the site got for me when I became the iOS editor. Um, it was by that time that phone was almost expired, you know, out of service or whatever you want to say. So it wasn't a huge uh, amount, but I did trade it in just because I didn't need it. I'm aware that it's possible to get discounts from Apple. There's options, not a ton of them, and they're kind of few and far between, but they do pop up, yeah. Yeah, I could have bought it from Mint, but I just preferred to buy it directly from Apple. Because there's various things you can do to save money, aren't there, um, when buying an, an iPhone, or indeed any phone, but yeah, when buying specifically, because we're talking about iPhone, you can buy a refurbished phone, or you could you could do the trade-in thing that we mentioned, which lots of people will uh, give you money for, Uh do Apple take phones from other manufacturers as a trade-in or only iPhones? They do, but I think you have to have um, a pretty nice phone. Let me let me check. I have to take a look at their site because I haven't done, checked this in a while. I think if you trade in, let's see, Android phones. Yeah, so like, uh, for example, if you trade in a Galaxy S21 5G, you get up to, five, to, uh, up to $200. Um, if you trade in a Google Pixel 6, it's up to $55. So flagship Android phones, Apple will give you some money for. Otherwise, you can trade it in, but they just recycle it. Okay. If it's an older phone or one that's yeah, not yeah. from one of those big brands. So how long? You're you're not on your first iPhone, are you? That's correct. Stage? Yeah, I had so I got I got the iPhone 11 in April of 2020, and then I got an iPhone 13 Pro um, in September of 21. So now this I'm, is my second iPhone. I remember the very first iPhone I saw way back in two th early 2008, I think it was, or late 2007. And it was, uh, well, hold on, get the dates right. I wasn't there today. So it must have been in mid-2008 then, um, based on where I was working and who I was working alongside and the person that owned it. And it was quite an impressive-looking phone for the time. And, you know, it wasn't the it wasn't the first uh Sort of uh, touchscreen device I'd seen because I was using a Windows Mobile Six phone at the time. There's that bloody Windows phones again, and um, it was it was very uh, it was you know it was a unique phone. Looked very different to anything else. But I'm not. Would that phone still be working now? I don't think so. How long do iPhones last? Do you think? Uh, well, I do have an article about this that looks kind of at the gritty details, but uh, in general. Um, let me look at what I wrote here because I, I trying to do the math in real time is messing me up. Um, so iOS <laughs> iOS 15 released in September of 2021, uh, and the oldest phone that that supported was the iPhone uh, 6s, which released in September 2015. Um, now those phones 
historically some of some of the ios versions didn't support those older phones for as often um the oh. 6s line was kind of a outlier where it was supported for a pretty long time um but that is what uh seven years or six years which is pretty darn good because you get the support for a full year um so ios 16 is not compatible with the iphone 6s um so that means it got support for six years of updates and then that seventh year of supporting ios 16 or, or 15 rather um but Apple's actually been better, too, at supporting older versions on older phones. So I'm not sure about the 6S in particular, but um, in a few cases where a certain iPhone model couldn't upgrade to the latest version, Apple was still providing security updates for the older version on those platforms, which is something that I don't think they did several years ago. So that's a little bit newer. So, yeah, yeah I would say you can expect if you buy like a brand new phone, like when it's new, like the year it comes out, you can expect at least six years ish five six years of support for it based on recent trends but that's that's just software support obviously that doesn't affect you know damage and things like that or the battery life speaking of damage iphones are notorious for broken screens i don't know why that is because you know it's not like they use weaker glass than anything else and yet we we, we do um you know i mean we just go through all the the photos that uh, the stock photography that we use or make use of a lot of those ones, you, you type in like, cracked mobile phone display, they're nearly always iPhones. And, you know, you see them in the street sometimes or you, the front of an iPhone cracked. God knows what happened to the rest of it. No, that's right. So the this, this, this slightly confusing term is that Apple Care is basically the term for the warranty that's included with your phone, which is just, you know, if there's a defect, Apple Care Plus is the technical term for the, the plan. Um, and when you sign up for that, you get, I believe, it depends on the device, I think it's t- you get two years um, of support, and that extends the warranty, you know, if something just fails, if the speaker stopped working or whatever. Um, but you also get a couple of visits per year if you drop your phone and crack the screen or crack the glass on the back or whatever, and then you pay a much lower deductible uh, to get the screen fixed than you would if you took it to Apple out of warranty or if you took it to a third-party repair shop or whatever um yeah so if you're someone that cracks your screen pretty often apple care is a pretty good value um generally we don't really advocate for extended warranties and that kind of thing but in apple's case it's, it's not bad depending on your use case and how often you damage your phone so a brief sum up you transferred from android to iphone are you happy yeah, overall, I am happy. Um, it's nice just knowing that it's it's kind of a subjective thing, but like with all the problems I mentioned on Pixel phones that I had before, it's nice just knowing that my phone's just going to work. Like it's not gonna, the camera's not gonna fail when I'm trying to get a picture, and it's not gonna just reboot when I'm trying to do something. Or you know, you still have occasional like apps crash or you get a weird message or whatever. But overall, I am happy with it. The battery life has been great. I don't really think about it as much. Like I just charge it when I can, and it's not like oh no, it's it's so low because I was doing whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy with it overall. I don't I use a Windows computer still as my primary device, so that's like the only piece of the puzzle where I would have like the full apple experience but i have airpods now i have a uh, apple watch and i like both of them the apple watch is by far the best smart watch i've used compared to the android ones i had and you can only use it with an iphone so i've been i've been happy overall it's not perfect i'll definitely point out the flaws that people ask but I've, i've been happy with it yeah That nicely brings us to the part of the show when we discuss our recommendations. We haven't done recommendations since, I don't know, November time. 
Uh, or maybe did we do recommendations in our review of the year? I don't think we did, did we? Apart from our um, best, indirectly our because we tech. yeah yeah we talked about but, our favorite tech and our favorite games, which yeah. is indirectly recommendation. Yeah, yeah. No, so I'm uh, I'm a bit of a disadvantage with uh, recommendations because I've got too many, um, and I, it might be better if I save some of them up. Y- your recommendation first, Ben, while I have a think. Okay, have a think. I will go first. Uh, so my recommendation, if you listen to our show with Gavin uh, recently, uh, you'll have heard of this, but I wanted to fully recommend it now. Uh, it's a game called Neon White, which is available on uh, PC, Switch, and now PlayStation 4 and 5. Um, so it was a game that caught my eye when it released, and I heard about it from some YouTubers that I like. When or, I'm sorry, it caught my eye when it was announced, and then when it released, some YouTubers that I like talked about it, and that kind of renewed my interest in it. So I finally got to play it around Christmas break, and so can actually recommend it myself now. So uh, basically, Neon White is a game that wants you to speed run it. So the gameplay is it's a first-person action platformer, I guess you'd call it. Um, And the gameplay is built around cards that you pick up. uh, And each card gives you access to a different gun. But you can also discard the card and get an ability to move through the level. So for example, you pick up a pistol, you can shoot enemies with it. But if you discard it and you throw away all the ammo, then you double jump. Or, Or you might get a rifle that has longer range. But if you discard it, you can dash forward and break through barriers and that kind of thing. So the gameplay is built around completing each level as quickly as possible. So uh, every level has four medals for you to shoot for, and you have to get at least gold uh, for it to count towards moving on to the next area. So you might complete the level the first time and then do it a couple more times as you get familiar with where the enemies are and how the movement works and things like that. And over time, you get better times on the levels and, and you kind of master the gameplay um but it's built around that so there's all there's a hint in every single level there's a skip you can take to skip part of the level where there's no enemies to destroy and finding those is really rewarding um so if you like games that require a lot of fast-paced movement or you have any interest in speed running that kind of thing this is definitely a game for you um the story and dialogue is pretty cringy uh but you can skip it if you want to and the music's really really awesome it's great for kind of getting you in the mood to blast through levels so i can't recommend it enough it's probably my favorite game of the year even more than tunic that we talked about before um the only issue is as of this recording there's an issue with the ps5 version um there's some performance issues and there's also a bug where your save will get deleted uh which happened to me unfortunately so i'm hoping that gets cleared up but i definitely wouldn't buy this on playstation yet until that gets fixed but yeah neon white speed running game that doesn't require you to spend half of your life on it and it feels really good to play so highly recommended Okay, I'm glad you chose a game because that um, helps me out by not choosing a game because that would be samey or anything gamey. So, listen, um, I'll, I'll give you a little clue as to what it is and then I'll give you a bit of background. So, Sounds um, like a banjo? Nearly. Uh, a okay. few... A few months ago, and I, I have a collection of, uh, I've got like three, two or three guitars, and I've got two uh, ukuleles. And a few months ago, I discovered a thing called the Cigar Box Guitar. This isn't a new thing. It's been around, well, I mean, it's been around for decades, but it's become more popular over the past decade. And I really fancied getting hold of one. Now, basically, it is a guitar made with a cigar box for the body. And then, a ve- okay. and in this case, a, a very nice, uh, smooth, slim neck. 
And it has a pickup. It also has a resonator. Now, I, I hear there's a lot of DIY cigar box guitars. I was going to do it myself because I couldn't find anyone, uh, any music store near me, instrument stores near me that actually sold them. I've been all over the place looking for one. And I, I was seriously considering the DIY option of buying a cigar box on uh, Amazon or eBay, uh, getting like a, a, a shovel handle, and they're using that as the neck. And, you know, basically doing the full DIY model. And I believe that some people use sieves, uh, not sieves, colanders as the resonator. Okay. Um, but uh, anyhow, yesterday morning, we've, we're recording this on uh, Monday the 9th of January 2023. So yesterday morning on the 8th, I went to a local music shop because I, I saw on their Facebook advert that they just got some cigar box guitars in. And I tried, I, was, I tried two, and this is the second one I tried. And I spent a long time. I was almost late picking the children up from church. Basically, um, <laughs> it, there was a, there was quite a bit of noodling going on, and just uh, um, slide guitar as well. It sounds great with the slide. I don't have a slide uh, of my own in these premises. Uh, I think my dad's borrowing it, so I've um, I've got a new one on order. I'm just really pleased with it. It's. Uh so you can do really sort of. It's, it's got a bit of a bleak sound to it, which is really, really delivers for that blue sound. But also, I mean... Yeah, I, it, I was going to say, it sounds kind of like... Yeah. it's not, I, can't, I can't think of a word that doesn't sound negative. Like, drab isn't the word that I mean. I mean no, I know exactly you know, what you like, mean. Yeah. Like, like uh, introspective or dismal. Yeah. I don't know if that's yeah, the right term. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. at the same time, I can also do a bit of boogie-woogie. Okay. You know, so it, it, it's, it's, it's just as versatile as a standard guitar, but uh, the tuning is different. Uh, so that's kind of uh, plays into that sort of different sound that you're going to get from it. But I'm just so pleased with it. So this is my recommendation is if you've, it's not just so much getting a cigar box guitar, although if you are interested in looking for new sort of guitar-y sounds or you, you know, you, maybe you're bored with your standard guitar sound, then get hold of one. The, 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 the guy who owns the shop is like a pro guitarist and he's he's got what well, apparently he bought two of this model because he wanted one for himself so you know this is a thing that a lot of guitarists are getting into at the moment is uh, cigar box guitar um but i would say no it's not just about the cigar box it's more along the case if there is something that you uh, want to get out and start learning then get out and start learning it um rather than just like thinking about it for too long because you know it's the beginning of a new year and yeah, I don't want to turn this into a, a message of sort of um, prosperity and positivity for the following uh, twelve months or anything. But although that is very important, but you know, you should take these opportunities to get hold of an instrument that you want to learn and um, grab it and play it and learn it, or anything else that you wanted to do. Really, that's really my recommendation. Go and do it. That's good. I, I feel inspired to go pick up an instrument now, which I'm not never been good at. But you're kicking <laughs> me into gear here. I was not, now I feel like my recommendation was too uh, fun focused. Like I didn't, I didn't think of anything like New Year. -y. 
Uh, to be honest with you, it was completely on the fly. Uh, so anyway, we have reached the conclusion of this week's really useful podcast. Everything we've discussed you will find in the show notes, and I might even take the time to uh, upload a video of me with the uh, Cigar Box guitar, so there's also a, a link to that as well. Um, nice. If there's anything that you want us to talk about, by all means, get in touch with us and let us know. You can share everything the entire podcast or the individual links with your friends and family let us know if that helps you out um i've we've been informed that there's another podcast with a similar name to us which is quite amusing which is a genealogy uh podcast so hi to you if you've uh, listened to us by mistake we're not them you need to do that web search again um you can fi- find us on twitter and facebook and on makeuseof.com and you can find the podcast pretty much everywhere you find podcasts ben and myself and gavin We'll be back in some combination in the near future. Until then, it's goodbye from us. (laughs) 